Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Candace, you're special. You know that? Best wife I've ever had. Uh, we celebrate our 50th. We actually leave here to uh, go join all of our family for our 50th celebration. Yeah. Yay, God. And uh, those of you that may not know Candace, uh, she's, uh, of course, phenomenal, but the uh, dream thing is just really the unique gift God has given us with Candace. She has typically seven dreams every night. So that's what, 50 a week? You do the math, and uh, for years, she records her dreams, and so many times, wherever we go, and this will happen tomorrow, we'll have some words here for the house, but wherever we go, the Lord gives her very specific revelation for that, uh, for that church and ministry. So you had some dreams last night, and, and uh, they apply to us? Well, I think they apply to the house, but they apply. You know, wherever you get a prophetic word, I just grab whatever one fits me. Do you do that? I think God honors that. You know, he loves it when we go after things with passion. So I just take all that I can get. So I want you to take all that you can get. And I just say, Lord, just release the dream anointing to these dreamers here, Lord Jesus. Raise up Joseph. Raise up uh, Samuels, Lord Jesus. Raise up your company of dreamers, Lord Jesus, to pull down heaven to earth, Lord. All, release all kinds of things to them, Lord, in their dreams, Father, even healings, Lord Jesus. More of the supernatural realm, Lord. Make their heaven, their bedrooms, heaven's realm, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I can do it. <laughs> He's my helper always, so we all need that. Oh, you, okay, thank you. So I'm going to go through them real quick because we want to hear my husband, right? I love his revelation. So, okay, first one was a house. I'm not going to give you the whole dream. I just put the caption of what it is, so we're not going to go to, into the whole dream. But a house of revelation and creativity. And I did see the little boy that's on the crescent moon with the fishing pole. And I thought, I have seen that somewhere. And so I looked it up on Google, and you probably all know what it means. Uh, it was Spielberg's uh, DreamWorks logo. And I, <laughs> so I just heard the Lord say, this will be a house of discovery in fact, God will continue to take you down that path of discovery. The more you seek him, the more you're going to get. You're going to cast your line up in prayer and the revelatory realm. You're going to pull down and you'll not only receive revelation, but many will start to discover discovery. Books, paintings, plays, businesses, uh, ideas, inventions, all kinds of things. I even saw fashion. I feel like, you know... For fashion, the fashion realm. For, we have a friend that actually, she's an evangelist, a revivalist, but she does fashion, so it reaches the fashion world. 1 Corinthians 2.9, this is why the scriptures say, things never discovered or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lover. I want all those things, don't you? 
I want those new things that he's doing. And with this new building, I heard the Lord say in the dream that there's a new boldness coming for you. And I saw people opening their mouths, and it was food, what maybe I would picture like manna coming down from heaven and filling their mouths up, kind of like opening up like cereal when you pop the cereal into your mouth. And I heard the Lord say, because you will share what I give you, I'm going to give you more. And so I remember when I was in the tribe and uh, the matriarchal grandma of the tribe came to me and said, I want you to share with me what you learn every morning from the word. And uh, not only did it help her, but it helped me as well because I was learning the language and it caused me to, you know, articulate uh, what I was hearing and use the language. But also we were just talking this morning in the car about Joseph, that he interpreted the dream of the Pharaoh, but he only went as so far as to tell Pharaoh and uh, about the famine coming. Just think if he had told the whole nation of Egypt he, what he had gotten in that dream, what he had discovered, there would be, they wouldn't have gone into slavery. They could have, uh, like you said, saved water. They could have uh, planted for themselves. If they had shared, if he had shared what he had got, you can, you do better. So what, what happened was everybody had to come to Joseph to get food. And they ran out of money, so he took their lands. They ran out of lands, he took the people. And the people were enslaved by Joseph uh, uh, to, to Pharaoh. So it be behooves us to share the revelation that we get, not just to keep it to ourselves, to bless others. So... Bethel, Austin, you will not keep a revelation for yourself, but you will send it out from here to all the world. Get ready for the Father to share more secrets with you. 1 Corinthians 2.9. This is why the, the scripture says things never discovered. I think I read that just a minute ago, didn't I? There is a double. So just take a double of, uh, of this scripture for your house. Things never discovered or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. And discipleship, um, I saw a room full of nursing mothers, and that's uh, pictures uh, feeding the new believers. So I just felt like the Lord was saying, you won't just have discipleship programs. You're going to have discipleship in the hallways. You're going to have it in the bathrooms. You're going to have it in the foyer, in the parking lot, people discipling one another. I just could see the word of God going forth every place in this building, to every place anybody could be discipling. And uh, your people are going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the fourth one, I saw people growing taller. They're going to have a company of fearless deliverers, giants in the spirit. God's going to use them to break off this grasshopper mentality that the church seems to live in, and he's going to use you powerfully in breaking that off. So thank you, Jesus, for that. I saw winged shoes, people with winged shoes on. So he's giving you winged feet to soar, and uh, many who have feared to take the gospel out are going to begin to take the gospel out with a fresh wind of boldness, and they're going to take it to places they never, ever dreamed that they would ever be able to go to. And when they see the power of changed lives, uh, that they're going to want to go more. And other people are going to want to follow. So number six, I've been awakening many mornings 
uh, with a song on my heart. In fact, we were just in Nashville, and uh, that morning I awoke with one song after another song after another song, and I realized it was the anointing in the city, <laughs> the city of music, right, in Nashville. And I just felt like that prophecy is for you as well here. I didn't realize that when we were coming from the airport that this is a city of music as well. And so I just want to release this to you. You will have a song for every season, new songs, love songs, victory songs, songs of deliverance, songs in the night, songs in the day. You will not only plug into the anointing uh, from the city for song, but the anointing of heaven. You will go into the throne room and come out with heavenly songs, his songs, and you will gather musicians and your write CDs and your hold song fest. And joy unspeakable, full of his glory, will arise out of this place as you begin to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts over others and to the Lord. That's Ephesians 5.17. Yes, you're called to be a house of song that breaks open the heavens and breaks open hearts. That's really good, Annie. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Yeah, the last time uh, we, we were here, or maybe it was a written prophecy, but uh, it was about a new building and walls that needed to be moved around, and here we are. So I think there is a worship anointing that's going to fall upon you in a greater way. How's everybody doing in this Lutheran church here today? Everybody okay? You ready for some catechisms? Ha! Tell you what, let's start by standing up. I know you've, you've uh, been out and walking around, etc. But let's, let's allow God to really take some space in our heart right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anybody love Jesus here? Really thrilled with his... His mercy, it's new every morning. Aren't you glad? Behold, I do an old thing, singing to me an old song. My mercies are old every morning. I call you old creatures in Christ. I'm just glad new is in the Bible. The whole Bible ends with everything being made new. When you get a new understanding of heaven and earth, you're walking into the power of the age to come. The new heaven and new earth must step into our heart. Heaven has moved from a location to an experience. Earth is now the foundation of where we establish his kingdom and bring his glory. It's not something we're trying to run out of. It's something we're trying to, to uh, embed heaven into every part of the earth. When your eyes are open to the spirit realm, you'll say what Isaiah said. The whole earth is full of sin, right? No. No, that's what the news will tell you. Isaiah said the whole earth is full of his glory. What are you made of? You're made from earth. Your whole earth. Put your hand on your heart. I'm sure you have one. <laughs> Say, my earth is full of his glory. I just need a new earth and a new heaven. Help me, Lord, 
to eat locusts and to be your end time servant with my eyes set upon you. Give me the vision you gave Jeremiah that the awakening rod will stretch over Austin. And I'm going to live to see it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I just had a vision while I was praying. I saw that awakening rod. Jeremiah chapter 1, every prophet is tested by what they see, not what they say alone, but what they see. God said to Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see an almond branch, which is a figure of speech. It's a pun. It's a Hebraic pun, totally lost in translation. There's no way you'd understand it except in the Hebrew language. Because the word for almond branch and the word for awakening is the same. Or it's very similar, I will say. So God says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Or I'm watching, I'm awakening my word to make it happen. And I think the Lord wants to test our hearts in these last days over what we see. Are we seeing clearly what's really coming? Of course, there's dark clouds on the horizon. But it depends on which side of the cloud you're looking for the Egyptians as that cloud of glory came down on the Egyptian side. It was thick, foreboding darkness, and it kept them uh, kept the armies of Egypt from coming against God's people. But on the Hebrew side of the cloud, it was glory. It was an outbreak of his glory presence. It was preservation, protection, presence, everything that they needed at that time of assurance that they're going to make it through the Red Sea. And so anybody can see the dark cloud coming. But only the people of God are going to realize that God comes in thick clouds. And I was asked the question on a, a mentoring call a while back of how come it says God comes in the thick clouds in Psalm 18, you know. Well, it's not clouds of confusion. It's that his glory is so mysterious, it's like a thick cloud of unknowing. There's so much about what God is doing behind the scenes we don't know about. So back to the awakening rod, God said, you've seen well. I'm going to watch over my word. I'm going to awaken my word in these last days to, to perform it. The prophecies of a last day's global awakening and a, a billion soul harvest, stadium Christianity, all of those prophecies are true. And God is watching over his word spoken by his prophets and he will perform it. Our issue is timing. You know, to know God's will doesn't mean you know his timing. And most of the time, the people of God miss the timing, not his will. We see the will of God from the scriptures, and, and we, we have it burning in our heart, branded in our soul. But then we, we, you know, it's like Moses went out and started killing the Egyptians when he found out he was the chosen deliverer. I'm going to go do it one at a time, you know. He missed the timing. He had to wait another 40 years before he could really come back. So God is watching over these prophecies. And it's so important that what we see is his heart. 
I'll mention this more than once today. But little children, keep yourselves from idols. That's the way John ends his first epistle. Now, we don't have an issue with idols in the church. I don't see any, uh, we don't, I don't even see a cross here or icons or, you know, statues. Or, uh, what does it mean we keep ourselves from idols? It's an idol is a false image of God. It really means don't have any false image of God. When you think of the last days, what comes up in your heart? Well, the same God that gave us Jesus is the same God that's going to bring his glory to the earth. And every day we wait, more souls are coming into the kingdom of God. I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say some radical stuff because I'm in a, a midst of radical people. I don't think we're in a time of judgment. We're in an age of grace, friends. God doesn't have mood swings. And what he says in the word is absolute truth. We can bank on it. And, and he says, I didn't send my son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. We're in that era of the salvation of God flowing like a river through the streets. It's just that we interpret things with jaundiced eyes and a guilt-driven theology over our heart. Every difficult, horrible thing happening on the planet isn't necessarily an act of judgment. It's birth pangs of a kingdom that's longing to be born, longing to be birthed. It's coming through the birth canal. And all of creation, you know the, the uh, chapter and verse, Romans 8, 19, and 20. Creation itself is groaning and travailing and expecting and laboring, interceding. The cosmos, the created order, everything around us, there's a longing and expectation of something coming. What is it? The rapture? No. Second coming? No. By the way, second coming is not found in the Bible. Sorry. Nor is rapture, nor is millennium. And we could go on and on. We build our eschatology on, on things that are not even biblical terms. I understand, but let's back up and let's start with biblical concepts. So all of creation is groaning and travailing for an unveiling of sons and daughters, for people to understand who they are. It's the apocalypsis. The title of the last book of the Bible is that word found in Romans 8, 19. So all of creation is groaning and travailing for the book of Revelation to happen. When you understand what the book of Revelation is, you will groan and travail for it to happen too. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ in you. So the next thing on God's timetable is not thunderbolts, it's kisses. It's kisses on a bride that will get so love drunk, she will go anywhere at the risk of her life to give Jesus Christ the due, the honor and praise he's worthy of. He's inebriating a people in the love of God with a message of the goodness of heaven 
to the point where they stop pronouncing judgment and doom when Isaiah 9 verse 1 says, no more gloom. No more gloom. That's a good refrigerator verse. Put that on there. No more gloom. Right under a keto diet plan, whatever. <laughs> so part of the grasshopper eating you're going to have to do is to devour the false teaching of the last days. Now, Chris did not know I wanted to go there on this, this afternoon session because I know it would keep people awake. What kind of heresy is he going to tell us? <laughs> but uh, I, I find it just so wonderful, so wonderful how Chris and I have, you know, gone back and forth with these things. But this, this last day's understanding, it's called eschatology, but it's just simply how we view the future, how we view God's plan of the ages. I know that I know that God is good, as good as he, as he was in giving us Jesus, pouring his spirit into us, equipping us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, forgiving every sin to where it won't even ever be brought up in our relationship again. He ended it. The law ended with Christ. He fulfilled it completely. He's not going to bring the church back into law-keeping. That's the veil. That's the, uh, it's the bride behind the veil. The, he's got to lift that veil of law-keeping off of us. As sure as I know those things, I know that his goodness has not stopped. His mercies are higher than the heavens. His goodness will, you know... David says, I want to see the goodness in the land of the living. I know I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. As long as you're alive, you've got the goodness of the Lord, is what he's saying. So creation is groaning and travailing for a people to arise and be awakened as the Jesus lookalikes that they really are. The Father loves the Son so much, he, he's going to fill the earth with people just like him. He's going to repopulate the planet with a whole bunch of Jesus freaks. A bunch of people that are the love like him, that live like him, that forgive like him, that, that spend their heart like him, see what the Father's doing like he does. The lookalike bridal company is on the way. A people that are unveiled. What veil in you has to come off? Oh, well, you got some time? Guilt, shame, law-keeping, inferiority, intimidation. Someday I'll be better. No, you won't. God doesn't want to make you better. He wants to make you deader. <laughs> He's not going to improve you. He's going to remove you. He has you where he took Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He's going to take the veil off of people. And we begin to see our Genesis face. We begin to see the Genesis woman, the Genesis man, who we were made to be before the intrusion, the, the unwelcome intruder of sin that came into our existence. Paradise must be in our eyes. So... <clears throat> The locusts are the doctrines, traditions, lies, 
deceptions of men, especially in the church world. Uh-oh. Kingdoms, little k, uh, traditions, anything that impedes the flow of revelatory life in the body of Christ, anything that keeps the bride with a veil on, my friend, that's a locust. John the Baptist came eating the things that intimidate you. And Jesus said of him, there's never been a prophet. Actually, there's never been a person born of a woman like John. But you in the kingdom of God are greater than he. So that means you're going to have an appetite to eat locusts. They're a clean animal, by the way. <laughs> if you're kosher, it's okay. So get a picture of this wild man with camel hair outfit, and I promise you the, the rough hair was on the inside. And there he was wearing an unclean garment, locust legs hanging out of between his teeth, a camel is unclean, unclean animal. So he, he wore, he, it's like he purposely was sent by God to offend the religious spirit. Everything about him. I mean, he wasn't in Jerusalem. He made all these people make a trek uh, from Jerusalem to, to uh, the Jordan. By the way, you're all coming with me. You don't know this yet, but you're all coming with us to Israel in November of next year, November 1 of next year. You're going to come, and I will take you to the very place where John the Baptist stood, where a million Hebrew people crossed the Jordan. It's called the Qasal al-Hud in Arabic. It is the place of the crossing where Israel crossed the promised land, and the river split, you know, and Jesus, that's where Jesus was baptized. I will take you to that very spot, as well as a lot of other places. Passionandfire.com slash Israel. You get all the information. You really need to come, and you need to pay Joaquin and Renee's way to come and pay Chris Valentin's way to come and Kathy. And we'll take you places. We have signs and wonders everywhere we go. Bro, we went to, anybody know what Gali Kantu is? Have you ever been to Gali Kantu? Gali Kantu, that's the pilot's um, patio where, where Peter denied Jesus three times. We're standing at Gali Kantu. I'm teaching that very story. And dude, it was like sound, you know, cue the soundtrack. The moment I said, and he denied, and the rooster crowed. Serious, this rooster was somewhere in the vicinity, and it was so loud, our team fell on the ground. Ah! <laughs> we had 20, 23 or 26 healings at, at the garden tomb. The, the, uh, you know, it's the only place on earth people go to see what's not there. The empty tomb is not there. Now you know. It's like, we told you. <laughs> so here's John the Baptist, like this massive offensive billboard. You know, I don't know what would shock the sensibilities of, of the church today, but that's John the Baptist. He was too hot to handle he was more than anybody. He was what Israel needed and what Israel would run from at the same time. Too hot to handle. You couldn't contain him. The only thing you could do is get rid of him, cut his head off, and that's what, what they, they did to him. 
But he becomes a, a forerunner. He becomes a picture of this last day's Joel's army awakeners. They're going to come not waiting for a new day. They will bring it. They are a new day people. They, they come when they step into your city. They release something so powerful that it shakes status quo Christianity right out of the, right out of the city limits. You guys aren't very impressed in this Episcopal church, but I know it's true. The locusts, you better get used to eating them. Oh, and what did he wash it down with? Honey. That's always a biblical metaphor of revelation. Psalm 19, his words are like honey, sweeter than the honeycomb. The word of the Lord is honey. God wants to give you revelation honey. More than once, when the spirit of revelation is on me, my lips, I start to taste the honey of God on my lips. Hallelujah. Honey's a powerful picture. Now, Samson, you remember him? He went online to get a Philistine girl, uh, philistineharmony.com, and, uh, and he went on a date. But on his way there, he was confronted with a lion, which was the principality over that region. The Philistia actually had a sphinx spirit over that area. So it was the demonic principality, which is a lot different than a demon. When a deliverer comes across territorial boundaries of principalities, he will or she will be confronted by that principality. So Samson, with that anointing on him, was confronted, and he tore this lion in half. I mean, imagine that. I don't know if you've done that lately, but <laughs> it's pretty phenomenal. So he has his date goes back to uh, mom and dad's house at Zora and says, uh, I found the girl. Come with me. We're going to do the wedding. So he and mom and dad go down the trail back to uh, where she was. And he told his parents, you go on up ahead. I want to see that lion. I want to go back to this carcass. And uh, you know what he found in the middle of that carcass of the lion? Go back to what traumatized you the most, and there's honey waiting for you there. In the carcass of your lion, with the eyes of revelation, you're over it. You're past it now. That was, that was then. This is now. Now go back and scoop up the revelation God wants to give you from that trauma you had to go through. So locusts, honey, camel skin, I want you to turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 9. Locusts are mentioned as coming out of a pit. Revelation 9, the fifth angel, you have in Revelation, you have, uh, I hope you take my Revelation course, it's online. I have hours of teaching on the book of Revelation, and I can promise you, it's not what you think. And uh, you can find that passiononfire.com slash, oh wait, Kirsten, help me. Where is it? tptbibleschool.com. That's probably the, the best way to find it, tptbibleschool.com. But Revelation 
You know, it would be false advertising for God to give us a book called The Unveiling of Jesus Christ, and you open it, and it's all about Antichrist kicking the snot out of everybody. When the name of the book is The Unveiling of Jesus Christ. If God gives us a book with The Unveiling of Jesus Christ as its title, what would you expect to find in that? If you'll look at every chapter, every verse, for The Unveiling of Jesus in you, you will find it. I don't know why, but the two books in the Bible everybody avoids are the two that I'm the most drawn to. Song of Songs, which I may share some tonight from that, and the book of Revelation. Because I think they're the most potent books. When he took me to heaven, he told me that if you will, he said, if you will teach the Song of Songs, you will prepare the people for the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he gave me some stuff, and he told me not to, not to use it or share it for 20 years. He says it'll be that long before the, the church is ready to hear of the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That was about 21 years ago. So I feel a little more released to share these things. I mean, you test what I say, you weigh it, you put it up against your futurist, hyper-dispensationalist, cessationist, partial, full, complete, three-fourths, preterist, <laughs> historical, all the models you want. But does it unveil Jesus Christ in you? It isn't just taking away your fear. It's revealing Christ. So... Revelation 9 speaks of the, the angel, the fifth angel sounding the trumpet. We have, we have seals, bowls, and trumpets, right, in the book of Revelation. Well, you've been sealed with the Spirit seven times in the New Testament. You're the seven-sealed scroll. I'm going to go fast. I'm not going to wait for you to catch up. You're the seven-sealed scroll. You're at the right hand of God. We're, uh, Ephesians 2.6, we're at the right hand of God. We're a right-hand people. We're the Benjamin Company at the right hand of God. Holding a scroll in his right hand, a seven-sealed scroll, is a picture of holding the written record, the DNA of the life of Christ within us. He's holding us in his right hand. And he's breaking those seals open in these last days to reveal more of Christ. So break this seal, Lord, and break us open. Some of you have got seals over your mind that need to be broken. I'm going to go after your locusts, sweetheart. I'm coming after your locust. He's the word, but in the volume of the scroll, it is written of me. We're the scroll. We are the jar. We're the bowl. Throughout the Bible, we are the bowls, the jars of clay. We are the vessels that he, he fills and he wants to pour out upon the earth. And do we not have a trumpet message that we herald? A trumpet. His voice is like a trumpet and his voice comes through a redeemed people. It comes through a corporate expression. So as we herald that message of the awakening of, of a bride to her bridegroom, it is a trumpet being sounded seven times. So in 9-1, he sounds his trumpet, and I saw a star that fell from heaven to earth. This is Jesus. He was handed the key to the shaft leading down to the pit of the deep. Now, who holds the keys of death and hell? Who holds the keys? So if you're going to make this the devil, 
then you've got Jesus like surrendering his keys to the devil. This is not just the, the, the abyss. It's the deepest place in the human heart. And he's coming with keys to unlock the deepest place where we are deceived, where we have our blind spots. You know, the problem with a blind spot is you're blind to them. That's why we need the velvet brick. The velvet brick to help us see our blind spot. Ask me someday, I'll come back and give a teaching on the velvet brick. How God awakens and opens the hearts and eyes of people. It's a velvet brick. Or a love sandwich, whichever you like. <laughs> so it's Jesus who came from heaven to earth, right? He was handed the key because he triumphed of the shaft that goes down to the deepest place of the human heart. He opened the shaft of the, the pit and a blanket of smoke began to rise out of it like the smoke of a giant furnace. The sun and atmosphere were darkened, which is the natural reasoning. It's the understanding of the heart. The sun is what gives light. It gives illumination. The atmosphere, the air itself is where uh, revelation can be received or we can be blind to it. And out of the smoke appeared what? It doesn't say out of the pit. The locust came out of the smoke. So here's the pit, the deepest shaft. And out of that comes a, a, a cloud of smoke. And out of the smoke screen, out of the lies, out of the confusion of that smoke, come these tormenting locusts. Everything I've said today is to bring you to this point because you've been tormented with these stinging, scorpion-like sting. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? You're not like her or him. You're not anointed as this person. You don't have that gift. Who do you think? Are you really ready? You're not ready. Go back and lie down until I call you, says the religious spirit. It's what he said to Samuel, wasn't it? Eli said to Samuel, go back and lie down. I didn't call you. So that sting, if you've ever been stung, you know what I'm talking about. It won't kill you, but you try to kill yourself for five months, it says. We got the whole church trying to kill itself when we're Galatians 2.20, we're already dead. We've been crucified with Jesus Christ. Any activity to kill yourself is a work of the flesh. When the Bible says, are we going to be Bible people, guys? The Bible says, I have been crucified, past tense. I have been crucified. I am co-buried. His tomb is my tomb. Come to Israel. I'll show you your grave. Co-buried, co-crucified, co-buried, co-raised, co-exalted, co-seated, co-heirs. Drink your cocoa, says Winnie. <laughs> Just drink some more cocoa and enjoy it. We don't spend time trying to kill ourselves. Five months is the number of grace. Five, the number of grace. We live in a, in a realm of grace. We don't have to torment ourselves with that locust spirit. Are you with me, folks? Five is also the number of months from Passover to tabernacles. 
And you can have Passover and Pentecost, that's great, but still be tormented. But still have the scorpion sting, the locusts that come and torment you because you're not good enough. Someday you'll be better. How come this happened in your life? How could you let that happen? All of the, those tormenting thoughts. And who is it that these locusts sting? Can I read it? Since you guys haven't read it yet. Only to afflict those who do not have the mind of God, the mind of Christ, the seal of God on their forehead. They're not thinking in the mind of Christ. The seal of God is on our forehead. Listen, that's not the mark of the beast. It's a different Greek word. The word for mark can also be translated character. But this is a seal. This is a brand. We're of his brand. We're of the Christ brand, okay? So we have the seal of God on our forehead. That's the thoughts. It's where the, you know, the mark of the beast will go there. Do I have to go back to Goliath again, guys? Right here. This is where our, this is the transformation of our mind, the redeemed mind that Bill so beautifully brought us all into a fresh understanding of. But we got to go with it. We don't just read a book. We, we let the seal of God come on our heart. That'll be tonight, I guess, Song of Songs. And on our forehead. They get it on the forehead and their hand. Because the thoughts will always affect what you do, the deeds of your hands. But the forehead being sealed with the seal of God. Friends, we've got to get the thoughts of God. Don't give yourself to idols. Any false image of God is going to let you be stung by these scorpions. And the religious spirit traffics in manipulation, control, using rejection as a tool. If you don't do this, you'll not be one of us. You know, you, you got to act like us and look like us and, and do this and that. No, you don't. You just be you, anointed of God, with the seal of God on your forehead, the mind of Christ. Folks, this locust stuff is real, and it's a metaphor. And I hope you've been able to follow me all the way from the, the plague of Egypt, which was locusts, one of the plagues. And what we're seeing in the book of Revelation is the Lord unveiling a people who look, love, and lead like Jesus Christ, who think the thoughts of God. Because man, what does it say, 1 Corinthians 2, that uh, it's never entered into the mind of man, the heart. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has entered into the hearts of men the things God has prepared for those who love him. But, the next verse says, we have the Holy Spirit who has unveiled these things to us. So we can have Jesus' thoughts. How does Jesus think? How does Jesus, not you, not me, how does Jesus think about racism in Austin? How does Jesus think about poverty? How does Jesus think about church divisions and competition? And, and to understand the mind of Christ is to have the solutions of the kingdom. To, to use the Miles Monroe, you know, motif, you, you suddenly become a solution engineer. You, you become a solution giver when you have the mind of Christ. You see, the church is full of tradition and opinions, full of opinions and traditions. 
And the Bible says, don't lean under your own opinions. We don't lean upon our own understanding, which is opinions. We, we must lean into this, this one who brings us out of our wilderness of unbelief. So to review, before I take you uh, to another spot, the locusts are the lies and the attempt of the enemy to intimidate, to put down, to limit, to convince you that you're not capable of doing what God has called you to do. Anything that would insinuate you're not ready, you're not the one, when God himself has spoken. Listen, you don't ask people permission to do what God has told you to do. I never would have gone to the jungle with my pregnant wife and, and family. I never would have, you know, tried to do a, a church plant minutes from Yale University. Never would I ever dream of doing a Bible translation. And if I took a poll of my dearest friends, none of them would, would have uh, voted for it either. But God spoke. And I think your life story is, is going to be measured by the times you took God at his word, you stepped out in faith boldly, and you did what he said to do in spite of how it looked. And if you need to back up and, and redo it, do it. But don't let the locusts, the lies coming out of the smoke screen of the pit, don't let the darkened understanding of this world system keep you from doing the call God has on your life. Now go back to Revelation 7. We're going to go backwards a little bit. The 144,000, wouldn't you love to know what that is? Well... Oh, this book is so rich. It's so, it, he told me in heaven that it would be the most loved book in the last days. It would be the most loved and treasured book in all the Bible. Really? Hmm. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, and they were restraining the four winds. So notice the repetition of the number four. It represents the universality. The winds are the divine agents that bring either judgment or blessing. But these four winds at the four corners of the earth, they were restraining the four winds so that no wind could blow on the land, on the sea, or on any tree. So, John, uh, by the way, uh, John is the apostle of, of hate, right? No? The, he's the love apostle, right? So what would you expect, you know, like he writes five books. He writes John, the gospel, three letters, and then finally he gets really mad and the old, cranky old guy, and then he, he's in a cave and he's, kick the cat and I'm going to, and he writes all this judgment stuff. <laughs> what would you expect from the apostle of love? Keep yourself from idols. Any false image of God is an idol. Trash your idols. Come back to what you know is true. I will see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. As long as I'm alive, God's goodness, you know, his banner over me is try harder, right? Someday I'll like you. I wish you were better. No, his banner over me is it's all right. I love you. 
So these four angels are stationed at the four corners of the earth, not heaven. These are not the winds of heaven. This is earth, friends. Four corners of the earth, north, west, east, south. There they are. And then a fifth angel comes. Five is the number of grace, right? Number Verse two, I saw another angel, which would be the fifth angel, ascending from the east. Now, that's, uh, you know, Jesus is associated with the east. His star was of the east. He's the, uh, he is the, uh, the eastern gate of the glory of God. And it says he had the seal, here it is, the seal of the living God. He's carrying this seal. Wouldn't you like to know what that is? Of the living God. And he shouted out with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to judge the earth, to damage earth's sea, and saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees until we have marked the loving servants of our God with a seal on their foreheads. Why does nobody teach this? Why have we never heard Revelation 7? That God is holding back the winds of judgment until the, the bride makes herself ready. There are four mighty angels ready to unleash judgments like you wouldn't believe. Believe me, guys, when God judges a people, they're gone. I mean, toast, like nobody's there. We're not in a time of judgment. We're maybe disciplined. God will correct us. I'm not eliminating that aspect of God, just like a parent will correct and discipline any wayward child, should anyway. And so God will correct wayward nations and wayward children. But when it comes to judgment, the Bible says in Isaiah that when God judges, the people of the earth learn righteousness. Did 9-11 teach America righteousness? Uh-uh. Maybe for that one Sunday after, I pastored right close there. Church was doubled the size on that Sunday. But the Sunday afterwards, they're gone. So we're not learning righteousness yet. When judgment comes, we will learn righteousness, believe me. So this is not a season of judgment. It's a season of preparing the bride. It's the created order travailing for an unveiled people to arise. Anything that is keeping you from looking and loving like Jesus has got to be removed from your heart. And this is why it takes the breaking open of seals and the pouring out of bowls and the blaring of trumpets to shake the bride of Christ out of her, uh, out of her flirtation with the world. So I appeal to you, my brothers sisters, that we are in a season where the gospel of the, of the kingdom, the gospel of grace, the gospel of the glory of God is rolling through the nations. And like a golden sickle in our hands, it's harvesting people groups, tribes and tongues and, and communities. And the gospel light is piercing Islamic nations like never before. Reports are coming out of, of Afghanistan and Iraq and, and even Iran of, of the gospel penetrating. And in China, the highest echelons of leadership in the nation, many of them have come to know Jesus. Even rumors that, I won't talk about rumors, but I'm talking about high levels of people coming to know 
Yeshua. 125,000 souls a day are coming into the kingdom of God. I wouldn't call that judgment. Just because you can't get enough toilet paper or macaronis not on the shelf or cream cheese they're run out of or, you know, that doesn't mean it's a time of judgment. Just because you don't like the political scene or you don't like this or that doesn't mean it's a time of judgment. The world, here's a secret, the world is not our enemy. It's our mission field. So in this age of grace, we're empowered with the gifts of the Spirit, the charisma of the Holy Spirit, power, fruit, wisdom, and power to go out and preach the gospel and see nations brought to the triumph of the cross. So to pronounce judgment is to miss the timing of God, in my opinion. I hope it's humble, but it's an opinion. <laughs> so we're in this season of holding back. You know, there were times in the Bible where people actually wanted judgment to come. God, when, do something. When are you going to come and fulfill all these judgment words? Where are the intercessors to say no, like Amos said, no, you're not going to do that. Can you imagine saying that to God? God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to judge these people. Amos says, no, you're not. God said, okay. Yeah, you should read Amos. Where are the intercessors that will say, no, God, no more teen suicide. No more of our schools being ravaged by dark spirits. Of our children being puppets and pawns of the enemy. No more, God. Our intercessors need a little bit more boldness. Come on, we need to pray scary prayers to get the results we need in these last days. And I can assure you, Almighty God, King of heaven and earth, God of glory himself, he will handle your prayers. He will filter out what he needs to filter, and he'll answer with power demonstrations. Man, we need revival, guys. We really need revival, and it starts with the people of God getting the seal of heaven right here. The seal of God. What are you thinking that needs to be adjusted? Imagine a day. Imagine a day, 24 hours, where every person you look at, you love. And everyone you look at, you, you envision them robed, crowned, enthroned with Jesus Christ on the sea of glass. And people you don't like, people that disturb you, those people, them. Imagine, uh, like, even family, that everything you did was for others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, that it was all about others. We considered them every bit as important as ourselves. And we looked at our finances as as tools to extend the kingdom and to help bring people out of poverty and to help every person we can. The Bible's a lot more radical than any generous person I've met. What if we saw that there was no impossibility with God? And every day then, for the rest of our lives, we lived in that effervescent joy of God plus nothing Christianity, that he can do this that he can unveil a radiant bride, 
the church with all her wrinkles and all her issues and all the division. It's nothing when the steel punch of God comes blasting through the ceiling of this building, boom, and puts his glory in an unmistakable way right here at Bethel, Austin. You watch. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. The spinning dance of ecstatic praise of a bride set free. So let the smoke screen blow away, dissipate. Deal with the locusts. Let that seal of God be on your forehead. Think the thoughts of God. You have the mind of Christ. First, uh, First Corinthians 2.16. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is the Holy Spirit. Espiritu Santo. Espiritu Santo is the mind of Christ. And when he fills us, some of you need a little filling. I'm not a dentist, but you need a filling. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Oh, so full of the Holy Spirit that it affects you. <laughs> go think. Go figure that. I mean, where we actually are nice. People want to be around you. You're not weird. You're not just trying to pull people's affection to you. You're pouring something out to them. That fullness of the Spirit has got to come upon the church. I mean, we got a thimble, and we call it an ocean. You know, we've got a, a, a little bit, you know. We got the crumbs, and we're, we're thinking we got the whole feast. Folks, let's, let's step into this last day's awakening of the bride getting unveiled, of seeing who we truly are in the eyes of Jesus, which is the lookalike partner, the lookalike bride of Jesus Christ. I just went over my time. Why don't you stand up, and I want to break uh, grasshopper mentality off of you. I want to break intimidation, chronic depression, comparing yourself with others, competing, Jacob's struggle. I want to break all that off of you in Jesus' name. Come on, a new day is here, friends. This is a day of awakening. <laughs> yeah. If we can't see the city broken open, break open your heart for the city. Break open your heart right now. Revival is not the roof blowing off. It's the floor falling out from beneath you. It's getting lower. It's falling on our... It's getting so before God that we don't want nothing to happen. But like, like what happened in Atlanta. My wireless microphone blew up. I'm teaching on the seven levels of glory. I got to level six. Fire shot out of my microphone. A few hundred people. Boom. All the lights went out, the whole building. We all hit the deck for an hour, just wanted to breathe, just wanted to live as the glory of heaven filled the room. The lights, the sound system. And, and, and people were coming late into the meeting, and they said, well, four blocks around the building, it's dark. Every light, every traffic light, house, building went out. There was no cloud, so don't get weird on me. There's no lightning. This was the glory of God that hit a building.
Lord. Oh, we want it, Jesus. When he really shows up in power, nobody looks that great except Jesus. I mean, come on. We don't, we don't do our, our Hollywoodism, our, our celebrity cult stuff. Jesus plus nothing equals revival. That's all we need. Pure, undiluted, raw, right out of the can, 100%. Don't water him down. Drink it. Take it like a man. Boom, 100%. Jesus, the real one, not the idol you have. He's going to love the daylights into you. You're looking for thunderbolts. He's... he's Given kisses. <laughs> hey, more. Hey, more. Hey. Fire, let it come. Fire, let it come on this Saturday afternoon before Chris comes and cleans it up. Fire, let it come. Man, I thought you Methodists wanted God over here. Isn't there a Baptist in the house that wants the real... Awakening of Holy Spirit, Espiritu Santo. Te amamos, Espiritu Santo. Pedimos todo su poder. Dios en los cielos. Come, Holy Spirit. Sung Yong Nim. Sung Yong Nim. That's Korean. Ha. Baburba. That's the tribal language where we lived. I don't care what length. Holy Ghost, come. Come on, lift your hands to heaven like rapture practice. <laughs> hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. More God. Awaken. Fan into flame. Awaken that gift, that dormant gift. Break intimidation. Break, break, break it off. Break off the cultural boundaries that we've set upon us. Whatever culture you're used to. Hey, come on. Don't make me run around here with a hanky. Whatever culture, break it. Lord, break every taboo that is not of you off our lives. Make us more radical than we ever want to be. Give us a boldness that begins to scare us in the morning. When we look in the mirror, we say, I don't know who you are anymore. Do it, God. Awaken Austin. Send your spirit. Send revival. Make us locust-eating champions. More God. Let the women rise. Shake it off, ladies. Shake it off in the name of God. No more. No more. No more bondage. Woman, thou art really loosed. Come on, women of God. We bind, break, and crush that, that spirit that has put you down, has, has hindered you, harmed you, even mistreated you, and, and spoken ill of you. And, and when you did rise up, tried to get you to shut up and sit back down. Eat those locusts, ladies. Come on, Juanita Baptist. Juanita Baptist. Come on. More God. More, more, more. Let the men arise with greater authority and power. 
Everybody say it out loud. I will fulfill my destiny. I'm starting to like eating locusts. Amen. Give him a shout now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.